0: well done you and welcome welcome to Palm Sunday you're welcome here you might have wondered you know, we did this last year we did Palm Sunday and Easter here but that was kind of rushed we had just really gotten started in doing our walking and you might be wondering what we'd be doing today well, what we're going to do is tell the story but in a different way you're welcome we're not going to we're not going to go through the crucifixion story blow by blow with horrific details about pain and blood and loss, because Easter and Palm Sunday involve a great amount of cost and a great amount of loss and pain. But that's not what it's about. It's about a victory over the darkness and a victory over the pain. And as we gather in this very unique form, as most Christians, by the way, have had to do throughout the centuries. Most Christians around the world have not had pretty buildings to go to. They've not had the things that we always associate with church. They had to meet in small groups as a family or even as an individual isolated and faithful, but alone. So let's start this story earlier. Let's talk about John the Baptist. In John chapter one, we hear John. We get introduced to him, John the Baptist, by the Apostle John in a unique setting, a unique way. John chapter 1, there'll be a lot of reading this morning. John chapter 1, starting at verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that all through him might believe. He himself was not that light. He came only as a witness to the light, the true light that gave light to everyone. who was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he became the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh he made his dwelling among us we've seen his glory the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth skipping down now to verse 29 the next day john saw jesus coming toward him look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world we read this little passage and it it can easily escape our um, our attention but this would have hit the readers like a blow this would have rocked them back you would have heard audible gasp in the crowd when John the Baptist said the Lamb of God not just because that means he's a very important person oh no not at all they didn't quite get that at the point it's because of where the setting was what was going on when John the Baptist said that. You see, he was baptizing out by the river very close to the road that led to Jerusalem. He was near Bethany. And there in the River Jordan, as it comes near Bethany, was the main route for pilgrims to come to Jerusalem for Passover. Now, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, they would have brought their sacrifices with them. As much as possible and hoping to keep the sacrifice in pristine condition and so one of the things that every Jewish boy grew up with one of those sayings you know we have sayings from our parents you know don't make me stop this car that sort of thing one saying that every Jewish boy would have grown up hearing forever from his parents was watch the lamb watch the lamb because it was the boys job to make sure the lamb got to Jerusalem pristine. No wounds, you didn't lose it, it didn't become lame, no disfigurement, You. the boys had to watch the lamb. That's not easy because lambs are not easy. They're not, they're not bright. As people, we have more sheep in Scotland than we do people. And so whenever they decided to clone animals and they started with the sheep, I don't understand that either. We had plenty already. But there you go. Sheep don't understand, like a dog would, where they're supposed to be. And unlike a cow, they, they cannot concentrate on just standing there. They got, they're moving. So watch the lamb. Watch the lamb. Because that lamb's going to be sacrificed when we get to Jerusalem. And as all this is going on, Jesus is standing there. And John the Baptist gets the crowd's attention. He goes that's the Lamb of God that he's taking to Jerusalem. And they would have, their hearts would have skipped a beat or two. There's the Lamb. What have you just said is going to happen to that man? Imagine that you live in the days of John the Baptist, because every one of these people would have already walked by the equivalent, first century equivalent of billboards. They, were, they would have poles up with signs on them, hangings of uh, fabric, and all these would declare, Caesar is Lord. If they had any coins in her pocket, it would have said the same thing. Caesar is Lord. You were considered unpatriotic and perhaps a danger to the community if you did not say Caesar is Lord in greeting back and forth. And if they suspected you believed there was another Lord? Treason. Most public activities had a prayer to Caesar involved. Whether you know, in America, for example, you play the Star Spangled Banner, there might be a flyover, there are certain things you do before a sporting event. There, sporting events, any public meetings or whatever, you would declare Caesar as Lord, there might be a little burning of a sacrifice, There might be some pouring out of wine with a ritual prayer, Everything you did had something to do about Caesar and by extension the gods of Rome. It was a constant question of how Jewish people and later, the Christians, could navigate such a society. Sporting events, buying meat in the market, learning a trade, joining a guild or a union. Everything had a pagan element in it, a ceremony, an oath, a statement of faith attached. Even buying property, you would sign statements that Caesar is Lord. And then, if you didn't do it, your standing in the community was over. Most likely, your job would be over, or you would be stuck in a low-end job. Your children could be forced into marriage to, sell, to settle your debts. They could be ostracized, made to work menial jobs. You'd get no help from your religious leaders, the priest. They'd been bought and paid for by Antiochus IV long before when in the Greek occupation. So they were now were really just part and parcel of the state under somewhat of that state control. And they would, they would play with this. And there were different factions, but that's the way it was. And by the time the Romans came along, they were back under government control. The winds of the Maccabees were very short-lived. You wanted, as a believer, to be a God-fearer, was their word, for the best level of individual. You wanted to be a God-fearer. You want to be a righteous person. You want to be faithful to the God of the Jews. But if you follow Jesus, Rome and some of your own countrymen would call you very dangerous... They would call you an atheist because you did not believe in their gods. They would call you a danger to the peace of the empire. Please understand back in this time, you had no rights. They would just take you off the street. They would take five or six people off the street, beat them, and throw them back just as a sign. We're here, guys. Pay attention and behave. And they didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to be guilty of a crime. You were just where they they were when they decided to use an example. That's your world. Rome required you several times a day to declare that allegiance. What do you think would happen? If someone came along and tried to take the titles of Lord and King and God from Caesar. How would Rome react? Well, Herod knew. So he started early as soon as he heard a possibility of a child born that could be called lord he sent in men with swords to kill the male children in bethlehem that was the world in which jesus walked the people of judea were torn between taking a chance on jesus or stoning him to get him out of the way so that that their worship of him would not unleash hell upon their families and communities. They lived in a world in which the armies marched under the eagle banner of Rome. The power of Rome and the might of Rome were bound up in its capacity and its proclivity to unleash violence, horrific, total war with no rules. The great Celtic general who was defeated at the Battle of Mons Grapius. His name was Calgacus, and he, uh, he's, he is said to have said, You make a desert, and you call it peace. For they truly did. By the way, the sound of marching soldiers was everywhere. If you've ever watched, for example, the um, old newsreels of Hitler's Germany, or modern-day armies such as those of North Korea, you see they put their feet up high, and they slam them down as they're walking. And that was that was all done originally to keep the people terrified. The bump, bump, bump of the the army, the drums coming, the stomping of the feet. They would, in fact, put hobnails on the bottom of the boots to make it ring harder on the packed earth and the stones. What are you going to do? The priesthood cowed before them. The Essenes fled them and lived outside the towns and desert places laced with caves. They wrote of a warrior prince from the line of David who would arise and kill the enemies of God, but they did nothing but wait. The Zealots wanted a military leader as well, but they wanted one that would ride out in front of them so this vast army that the Messiah was going to raise, they could slaughter Rome and teach Rome a lesson or two. The Pharisees looked for a religious leader who would lead a revival and an army, a new Maccabean. The Sadducees just wanted to get along and give up any dream of a Messiah, just act more like the Romans and deal with it. But the common people, Matthew 12, 37, the common people heard Jesus gladly. And when Jesus stood up against their religious leaders and the culture of their age, they were astonished and they listened to him. Luke 432 they were astonished that anybody would say what he would say jesus did not come to us to make us comfortable he came to explode the culture he came to change it all he healed their diseases he listened to them he allowed them to interrupt him when he taught or he was walking around them he was gentle with them He loved them. He stood up for them when their leaders took advantage of them. He did not come to bring religion. He came to end it as we knew it and to make something new. He did not come to bring an alternative temple and alternative church. He came to bring a religion that was based upon love, acceptance, community, sharing and guidance that we share with each other no wonder they greeted him with palm branches and cries of Hosanna. And you know, the Romans were checking to make sure that their swords were loose in their scabbards, to making sure that they knew how to form a line quickly. And so were the Jewish authorities, because they did not want to bring the Romans into this. No wonder the people instinctively knew this was their king when he came riding in on a donkey. Just a donkey. But you know, that's the way that the kings of Israel had entered Jerusalem before. Story of David, the story of the kings, they enter on a donkey. And Jesus spent the last week of his life challenging the religious and political system of the day and announced that a new day was here. And here's where it gets very, very strange. To a world ruled by power and might and money like theirs was like ours is Jesus did not come to make peace with the power structure of the world he did not come so that we could vote people in that would then lead us in a Christian way that would be just now you know God God church and politics are all wrapped together no no Jesus did not come with tanks and bombs either. This very moment, there are people weeping that hear tanks and bombs. This very moment, people are being imprisoned and killed that didn't do anything. This very moment, children are being sent to clean out the sewers of India because they were born to the wrong family. How do we, how do we defeat evil like this? other missiles do we defeat it with with building edifices to ourselves or programs that please us no the bible tells us but this is going to be a long reading i'm not going to ask you to look it up but if you want to you can i want you to to experience it as much as you can like they did in your head as it's read form the pictures because we're going to get a peek behind the curtain, behind these dimensions that we have, we we just don't get to see, but but now we will. The Eastern Orthodox churches read the entire book of Revelation the week before Easter, all in one go. We're not doing that today. Those of you reaching for your pause button, stop it. But we are reading chapter 4. Of Revelation into chapter 5 and verse 14. And after this I looked and there before me was a door open in heaven and the voice I'd first heard speaking to me it was like a trumpet said come up here and I'll show you what must take place after all this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders they were dressed in white had crowns of gold on their head and from the throne there came flashes of lightning rumbles and peals of thunder in the front of the throne seven lamps were blazing and these were the seven spirits of god and also in front of the throne there was what looked like a sea of of glass clear as crystal in the center around the throne were four living creatures and they were covered with eyes in front and back the the first living creature was like a lion the second was like an ox the third had a face like a man the fourth was like a flying eagle, each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever and they lay their crowns before the throne and say you are worthy our lord and god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being and and then i saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. By the way, the scroll is the future of his people. He wept. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me do not weep see the lion of the tribe of judah the root of david has triumphed he is able to open the scroll and the seven seals and then i saw a lamb not a lion a lamb looking as if it had been slain Standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he'd taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before a lamb. Each one had a harp And they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. They will reign on earth. A lamb did that. And I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, (coughs) excuse me. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. (coughs) Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them said praise to him who sits on the throne to the lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped we do not win through politics we do not win through power or swords or armies we win by following a lamb of God who was slaughtered for us. And by being slaughtered, he saved us. We declare today, as we enter this most holy week, our allegiance to this lamb, this king. We, we look thinking we we're going to see a lion. Because that's what he was called. We, we look thinking we we're going to see this mighty warrior, riding on a horse, and a sword. He's all those things. But first, he is the Lamb of God that John saw in the crowd. And when he called him out, the crowd shuddered. Every time we take communion, I'm going to reach over here and get a drink of something not communion real quick. every time we take communion, and if you don't have these, please let us know. There are many over here uh, that we still have. Every time we take communion, we declare our belief that Jesus is Lord. No power, no might, no Caesar, no president, no queen, no king, no dictator, but Jesus is Lord. And that he is not only Lord, but he is also the Messiah. The anointed one, that he is our God and we will bow to no other. I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again. I can remember there was a time we had some friends come across to see us we were living in Scotland and we took them to Edinburgh because that's where all the, not all of that, that's where it's concentrated. You get castles and everything else. And at the end of the Royal Mile, there's Holyrood Palace. Rood is a Scottish word meaning cross. There's a big story behind it, but. Not doing that today so holyrood palace now there are no trespassing laws in scotland and it is you can pay a fee now and just go into the palace unless you see a certain flag above and if you see that flag then the queen or one of the royals is in residence at that time and you're not allowed to go in but we looked the flag wasn't up and the people said they'd like to go in well to me i'd been in many times and it was just a bunch of furniture but all right fair enough you don't you know americans don't get to go into palaces too much although as i drive around nashville i see many um and that's that was actually a little bit unfair because compared to what many of my brothers and sisters live in i live in a palace and i understand that so that said they they were just aghast and aghast at all the wonderful things as you're going and then we entered one of the main halls the main hall to me was always notable for all of the paintings of the kings of Scotland from ancient times to modern times. And they all looked the same because the same king sat for each of the portraits. He was just certain all of his ancestors looked exactly like him. <sighs> anyway, I walked in and the room had been rearranged, and you don't do that. You don't do that in these palaces. So I walked over to the steward there, standing there in his tartan jacket, and uh, I said, um, what's all this then and he said oh you've not you've not heard and I went what's that she, he said she's going to knight him the queen's going to knight our Sean long story Sean Connery had been up to be knighted I don't know how many years and she wouldn't do it because he was a firm not liker of royal people and wanted independence for Scotland and for some reason that peeved her a bit but evidently the pressure had gotten too much and well as soon as he told me I was going oh that's amazing. that's uh where's where are they going to be because i knew i had to get my wife over because she really was a fan of, of sean and i kinda, you know were similar and so <laughs> i said so so where is he going to be and he pointed and that's why they'd move things about and i said oh it's lovely that and then i stopped and uh, i looked over at him and i said you know you tell our sean that i beat him here and he said i'll do that sir and then I stopped for a minute and I looked back and I said, but you make sure you tell Sean, I didn't kneel. And he looked over at me and he said, and I haven't either, sir. My father taught me, you kneel to God and to no other power. No other voice. And while there were many lessons I wish I hadn't learned, that was a good one. To prepare us, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2. The world sees a slaughtered lamb they don't get it but we behold the lamb and we see the son of god the first gospel sermon in acts chapter 2 it's it reads here fellow israelites listen to this jesus of nazareth was a man accredited by god to you by miracles wonders, signs, was God dead among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him down to verse 32 God has raised this Jesus to life we are all witnesses of it exalted to the right hand of God he has received from the father the promised holy spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear for david did not descend to heaven ascend to heaven and yet he said the lord said to my lord sit at my right hand until i make your enemies a footstool for your feet therefore let all israel be assured Of this God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah we who take this we who state that Jesus is our Lord and God come to take this bread and cup on this most sacred day centuries after the stomping armies marched through the streets those armies are all dust and Jesus is Lord. All tanks rolling today and missiles fired today will be forgotten and ground into the earth, and Christ will still be Lord. So we sing in the dark because we believe in the light. If you are willing, and all are welcome as you know this many of you got not many several atheists have been in touch we write back and forth we love having you agnostics as well and we have Christians from different places that some of these words make uncomfortable you don't have to say it to be welcome here but those of us who will we're going to recite the apostles creed we're going to make one change which many churches have done through the years because the word Catholic many people think means the Roman Catholic Church or the Eastern Orthodox Church the the word Catholic means universal worldwide that's all that means and so we'll change it to universal to make people more comfortable all right those who are willing if you would repeat with me not repeat rather but say with me I believe do we have that up there we go I believe in God He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that... You are leading us in a war that our weapons are love, grace, kindness, mercy, and faith. May we be faithful to your Son in the way we wage our war against the cultures, power, and greed of this world. Help us to truly be light in the darkness. And when the darkness gets darker, help us to shine brighter. Father, we take this bread in remembrance of your Son who gave his life for us and by doing so made us part of his body forever. We take this cup remembering the cost to heaven of all of this love and our salvation. And all who agree in the name of Jesus say, amen. The body of Christ.